Well, good morning, church. It sounds like it's 8.30 again. Um, some of you guys are still getting out of bed. Good morning, church family. Oh, that's what I like to hear. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning. Oh, my gosh, it's so exciting. I, I know when Alan said, look around, man, the house of God being full. It's a beautiful picture, amen? Um, as Ashley had mentioned, I'm Pastor Joseph Oliver. I'm the senior high youth pastor here at ACAC. Um, this September, I actually celebrate, I said the last service, 22 years. This is actually 23 years being here at ACAC. Now, I know I don't look like it, um, but it's been 23 years and I came through high school and it's a beautiful picture to see where God has brought me to this thus far. Um, I want to continue in our series and actually conclude our series of Unlikely Heroes. Um, But one thing before I get started, could you give a round of applause to our worship team? Um, I I get the honor to worship with them every single week and I continue to say, man, we get here. There's something different when we're all together and they get to see all of you on stage. So just thank you for um, honoring that. Well, so let's get into this. So over the past three weeks, you've heard from our lead pastor, Pastor Allen, talking about the series of Unlikely Heroes. And if you haven't had the opportunity to go back or actually listen to those or be here for those, I recommend you go back and listen to those. I think they're very well done, as well as engaging to help you and well as all of us to look at God's story in a different way. And to highlight the last three weeks, here they are. Week one, we talked about Ruth, an unlikely person or unlikely people. And Alan shared with us, God often chooses the unlikely to do the unimaginable. In week two, we, chose, we, we discussed Moses, unlikely moments. And the wait between God's calling and his confirmation is preparation. And then last week, we discussed David, unlikely things. And he had shared in God's kingdom, the recipe for unlikely victories begins with ingredients of weakness and persevering faith. Throughout each of these messages, I hope you've had the opportunity to explore them with your teens, your little ones, your spouses, your college-age folks. um, Because it's important for us to continue to grow in the knowledge as well as the truth of God's word. But for this weekend, the final weekend, I want to close out that unlikely hero's point and theme. And we're going to be exploring the scriptures that talk about unlikely heroes for the next generation. So I want you to imagine for me, imagine with me for a moment, you are between the ages of three and seven years old. Some of you, you don't have to look that far to imagine because it's right in front of you or right next to you. And you know those little ones, they're, they're filled with energy, they're filled with noise, and you ask them that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? They might say, I want to be a doctor, even though they hate needles. Um, they, maybe they want to be a dancer, and I would do dance moves, but I don't want to disturb you. Um, maybe they want to be a ballerina, and they just want to pirouette around. Those are the three to seven-year-olds. Or maybe you think of the eight to 12-year-olds. They're really smart. And they're asking that age-old question of why? Everything. And as they're asking that question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some of them may say a, a firefighter, a police officer, you know. But then I get into the areas of junior and senior high. And I was a little disappointed because they didn't yell out and they're all on the balcony. 
And I'm like, I didn't hear none of y'all. So are my high schoolers here? Wow, that was like three of you. Gosh. We'll talk about this next weekend. Um, but the junior and senior hires, they're, they're, the world revolves around them. And they know it. And you know it as well. And you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're like, I got it all together. So, you know, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur, open my own business, my own trade. You know, I'm going to be an electrician. I'm going to have like 50 people. Or, you know, better yet, they're like, I want to be president. And I'm like, yeah, you have a far way to go. Um, but then you get to the 18-year-olds plus. And they're like pursuing their field. They're going off to college or going off to trade school and military. And they're just like, man, what do I want to do? And they're actually almost in their field. But one of the things about as they get older and they grow up and they get to that, that point of where they want to know what they want to become, they do a job shadow, Right? That's one of those things that you want to get a glimpse into. If that's what you want to pursue, you want to become a doctor, you want to go and be at a hospital for a little bit, kind of explore, get a glimpse. You want to be an attorney, understanding how to read every single day, nonstop. Or, you know, you want to go into electrical work, you're going to be using your hands every single day. But they get into that trade or they get into that experience. They get a glimpse of that through job shadowing. But I think in our relationship with God, it's a lot like growing up and trying to figure out what I want to be when I get older. Because in our relationship, we go and we meet with people. We spend time with people. People in the church and outside of the church. And those that are in the church or connected to it are, are urging us, motivating us, pushing us to pursue a relationship with God. And at a very young age, it's like, man, make this commitment. And for many of us, we made that commitment at a young age. And for some of us, it was later on in life. But either way, we made that commitment. But I think unlike any other time before, there's a tension in the lives of our young people. That tension is the things of Jesus and the things of this world. And that tension is rigorous. It's aggressive. And as they spend time with people of the church, as well as they spend time with people outside of here, that tension wavers and causes some problems. And I think as, as they grow up and they go through this tension, they're looking for who can help me in my relationship with God. And I believe the conduct of the church has made it challenging for the next generation to process at times as well as invest and following Jesus Christ. The challenge for them is that they have more time job shadowing things that don't represent God than the things that do. That's the tension. Because we talk about social media, influencers, we talk about all these different things, and it's like, man, some of those things are drawing them away from God. But they need more examples to draw them closer to him. But I think through all the challenges and the tension, we can't lose hope. Because God is still looking and working for, the, for you as well as he is for the next generation. And the main thing for this weekend is God's kingdom is 
expanded through the next generation of devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're a young person in this room, as Ashley and Chris had mentioned before I came up here, this is for you as well as for every adult in this room. You can expand God's kingdom as you devote your life to following Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every individual that is here as well as those watching online. God, this is your time. God, we are your vessels. So God, for every individual that's here, God, I pray that they would have ears to hear. Welcoming hearts to receive the truth of your word that would bring life change for all of us. So that just as we have gathered because of your name, may we remain unified because of your name for all generations. God, bless this word this morning. Bless me to be your vessel here in this place. You pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of the First Timothy in the New Testament. And in this book of First Timothy, Paul is writing to his mentee. Paul is writing him to provide awareness, instruction, encouragement to a young pastor as well as a young leader in the church. But in this book, he, he illustrates a number of things and tells Timothy a number of things, encouragement. And, and, I, and one of the things about a letter, for, for, some of the, for some of the younger folks in the room, when you write something, you handwrite someone and send it to someone, there's value in that. Because you took time with all the errors, all the, the whiteout that nobody even knows about anymore. Like, you utilize those things to send this letter. And you think of it way differently. And that's how, that's how Timothy took this. And what Paul illustrates to Timothy are a few things. And the first thing is that he, Paul, affirms the relationship that he had with some fatherly advice. Go get him, champ. You got it. He's motivating him, encouraging him. Throughout the beginning of Timothy. But then he encourages Timothy to hold tight to his faith in Christ. Because he knew that there were going to be some bumps in the road, some things that he was going to encounter that were going to challenge his faith. So he needed to hold tight to it. But he also affirmed the importance of worship, the importance of prayer. That as you believe and follow Jesus Christ, these are vital to your relationship. But one of the additional things he says is that he instructs them how to recognize false teaching. I think Paul was not only writing that letter to Timothy then, but he's also writing it to us today. Because these things are apparent in our culture today. And we need to be mindful as we're creating and developing devoted followers of Jesus Christ, how to overcome. So Paul expresses the importance of this relationship needed for a young disciple. He shares his careful counsel and guidance. And as believers, we need some tools. And we're going to get some tools from the text today of how we can conduct ourselves in a way that the next generation doesn't lose sight, lose focus, as well as all generations don't lose sight of who God is. So may you be encouraged through this text and this message this morning as we go to 1 Timothy 4, 12. And you'll see it on the screen. And it says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, 
and your love, your faith, and your purity. In talking to Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy and us not to look down on someone because of their age. And here's what we can do to help the next generation expand God's kingdom as devoted followers. And point number one is this. For looking down on someone because of their age leads to condemnation and rejection. Through condemnation and rejection, your desire becomes limited, especially your desire to follow Jesus as a young person. Paul's instruction in the very first part of this verse says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Young people that are in this room, don't let no one think less of you because you are young. The same spirit that is in the older generation of believers is the same spirit that's in you. There's no small Holy Spirit. There's no big Holy Spirit. There's just the Holy Spirit. And if that Holy Spirit that utilized Paul to speak into Timothy, and Timothy to speak to a church at a young age, you too can also speak to the church at a very young age. And Paul's instruction to Timothy in his verse was a reminder that he was going to face opposition as a young leader and as a pastor. His age as a pastor played a huge role in how he was looked at. Because he might not have had enough experience, didn't have the talent. But where God has placed anointing, you can't remove that. Where he has put you in a position, somebody can't remove that from you. But for the next generation of believers, they are wondering and living through the, the, the generation that came before them to see what it looks like to live for Jesus, but oftentimes they feel that tension or they feel that sense of rejection because they may not have it. But if all of us were honest, we really didn't have it at a young age either. We made some mistakes. And even at 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, we're still making them. But even though we're still making them, we haven't lost sight of who God is. So the next generation needs to see that. They need Christ followers that have a calling on their lives, just as those that have gone before them to share that example. The call that God has placed on them is significant. He sees them as people that can be used by him to do the unimaginable. As we talked about last week with David, David was a young boy anointed as king, and he went out and slayed a giant and changed the trajectory of a whole nation at a very young age. The investment into the next generation can raise up some Davids to change the culture so they pursue Christ instead of a reckless life. I believe many of us have looked down upon young people at a young age. It's a mistake. It's okay. But we can't be corrected. If we are people who look down at these young people, and we may have rejected them or they may have a, a sense of rejection, you can turn it around. 
give them a listening ear, an opportunity to, to speak life into them as their life has changed. Don't look down on them because of their age. Look out for them. Because as you look out for them, looking out for them brings or leads to an experience of compassion. Compassion that leads to conviction. Conviction that leads to correction. And correction that leads to collaboration. That's the expansion of God's kingdom. When we collaborate together through all generations. So we hear the what, what we can do, not look down. Only because of their age as well as even looking down the generation before us because of their age. But Paul continues to remind Timothy of what to do and who to look for when we need assistance. So I'll go back to the text. And it says, be an example to all believers. To all believers. Point two is that being an example cultivates a desire for discipleship. Being an example cultivates a desire for discipleship. An example is someone to look at, look to that assists with the cultivation of my discipleship, of your discipleship. Paul reminds Timothy that to overcome the doubts, the questions, bless you, and the thoughts, you need to be an example. Not just any example, an example of what it means to follow and to live for Jesus Christ. For the next generation, they need more examples of what it means to not only live and to follow Jesus, but what it means when those doubts and attention comes of to wrestle with God. Because if we're honest, there's no plateau in our relationship with God. We're always growing. And these young people need to see what it means to grow through the tension, the stress, the doubts, the misfortune, when bills aren't paid, <laughs> when jobs fall short, when COVID hits, what it looks like to still worship and praise God when we're separated, but God has not separated us from him. Amen? We need that. And I had a glimpse of this with some young folks this past summer as we took 45 students to Florida. Unfortunately, you were here while we were relaxing for the kingdom. And it's okay. We still worship God and had some fun in the water. But as we were there, our 44 students and our, and our eight volunteers joined with almost 6,000 others. And these high schoolers worshiped. They worshiped God. Hundreds, thousands of kids running to the front to jump, scream, yell, I follow Jesus. To the same songs that we sang this morning. Hundreds of them came forward and they're saying, God has a call in my life to ministry. Full-time, vocational, missionary work pastoral work, people to replace myself, Ashley, Joel, Krista, Tracy, Anna, Amani, Sam, to replace them are here in this place. Amen. But this was one of the things I wrestled with as I listened to them as we prepared to leave. 
the fire, the fire had grown. It was an inferno. But as they looked to home, the inferno became a match. Because they were worried about if when I get home, will I have enough believers, enough examples around me to keep the fire going? Because if I would share stories, it would break your heart. Some of the students at center said, yeah, I don't have another believer at home. My, my family life is so hectic. I don't know what's going to happen next. But the example was set. Because we still talk with those students, they still come and they still show up. And what happened is that they had an example of someone going with them that could talk with them and spend time with them. And that though they're holding on to a match, for many of them it's a torch. And they're holding on to that torch and they're carrying that torch to their school, to their neighborhood, to their family that doesn't know Jesus. Because someone exemplified discipleship for them. Just like someone exemplified discipleship for you. But in that example, they found people that are devoted to following Jesus so that they remain devoted so they can expand his kingdom. We've heard the what. We've heard who we can look to. But here's the how. And it's the last part of this passage. In what we say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. God's kingdom expansion requires a discipleship toolkit. And I believe Paul shares with Timothy some examples, some tools, some resources to turn to to help all of us, all generations, be encouraged about our relationship with God and motivate the next generation. But though these are simple, they're challenging as they need to be practiced. And the next generation of believers are often asking, how do I live this out? How do I make God real to me? They need some people to do exactly this. First thing is their words. As the passage said, in the words that we say, let the words that we say reflect the truth of the gospel. Let it be edifying. Let it be encouraging. Let it be motivating. They need to see that. They need to hear the words that come out of your mouth as a parent, as a grandparent, as a guardian, as a support, as an encouragement, as a young adult, as well as as a teen or a, or a little one. They need, people need to hear the words that are encouraging because if I were to go on Instagram right now or TikTok and scroll through a post that would be encouraging, there's probably comments that say, this is stupid. This is foolish. If it's even a Christ-following image or anything else like that, there might be some people that bash it. And our young people are hearing those comments every single day as well as you. As you go to your workplace, as you walk through your neighborhood, God is not important. But we need that reminder that God isn't, and when we share that word, 
that word that says, yeah, things may be hard, but God is working things out together for all of those that are called according to his purpose. For all. Let us share that word. Let's share that truth with them, as well as with those that throughout all generations. But the words go with our life. These are linked. The words go with, the, with how we live. And I love how Paul said that. Because put it simply, we need to practice what we preach. But I had to add something to that. We need to live what we teach. There's a lot of things that these young people, as well as even you, you see we're inundated with information. A lot of it's pointless. <laughs> Mindless. But as we live that way, we, that we're reflecting what's valuable. But if God is the most valuable thing, we can live that out. In the good as well as in the bad. When you go through tough times, these young people need to know what it looks like to wrestle through the tough times. And to come out on the other side. Because they know what defeat feels like. They know what suppression feels like because they suppress their thoughts, their ideas, because mom won't understand. Dad is too hard. My grandma is too difficult. No, the thing is, they want to listen to you, but you got to speak up. So you want someone young people, you want someone to listen to you, you not only have to speak up, but you have to speak out. And for all of us, it's practicing that to go, man, I need to listen because I want God to listen to me, and that's what I practice. But that's also what I have to live out. Because if they see that, they experience love. One of the culture things that we have here at ACAC is that love people where they are. If you were to put all of our stories into a book and reveal it to the next person that comes into this church that doesn't know Jesus, it will look just like the Bible. <laughs> a bunch of imperfect people Following Jesus, wrestling with God. But when people see the love of God, they want to be right where you are. Also, as they experience that love and where they're at, and you're exemplifying who God is, God will take them the rest of the way. So where you might be in your relationship with God at an older age or maybe at a younger age, like, man, I'm not going to get it. Allow God to utilize you to be an example so that others go, man, I, I not only don't want to be like that, but God's going to take me to be better than that. And that's through our love. Because it models our faith. It models our commitment to Jesus Christ. But through the tough, through the, through the victories, through the, the wins and losses, we are dedicated to God. Because faith is a reflection of our trust and our allegiance to Christ. As we model faith, other believers will want to have faith in what we have faith in. And the last part is purity. The one thing is that we know that we have messy things in our lives. Moses wasn't the only one that had some mess. Every Bible character besides Jesus had some messy stuff. 
But you want to know something? God could use them. Just like he can use you. And you know what happens in purity? He cleans us up. He looks at us differently. So for you young folks that may think that somebody may look down on you, the thing is God looks out for you and looks at you and says, I have made you clean in my eyes as you follow me. The older generation, you may not have heard it, may not have heard this recently, but you are also made clean. Through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those are the tools that we need in our relationship with him. Today we discussed what we can do to assist the next generation. What our role is, what we can play. So, a reminder to us, to, to the young folks in the room, the little ones, thanks for being quiet. For the middle ones and the big ones that are in middle, thank you, that are in junior high and senior high, you college, you college age folks, this is, this is for you. As you follow Jesus, he has not only a plan and a purpose, but I want you to understand that he wants to use you. This is not for when you get older. It's for right now and throughout your life. Do not squander this time that you have right now to embrace the gospel. And that's, I'm talking to you folks up in the balcony. Because I know all of your faces up there. As well as you down here. This time right now is vital to your relationship with God. And he wants to use you not only to expand the kingdom as bringing people into this place, but where you are going, he wants to do the same thing. That's the spirit of God that not only lives in you as a believer, but lives in you now and forever. Now for my seasoned vets, and I say season because you've gone through seasons. Amen? Some of you are going through a season right now. But that hasn't stopped you from pursuing God. So I want to say thank you for being an example of what it means to follow Jesus. But as you continue to exemplify that, as these young people continue to fill this room on the weekend, during the week, wrap your arms around them physically, ask them first, as well as embrace them with the love of your arms of God. Because as they feel like they're embraced by God, they will embrace God as their Savior. And as they embrace God as their Savior, they become world changers, life changers, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So in this audience, there's some roots. It didn't seem like hope was on the horizon. But God used you and is going to use you in your obedience and your humility to raise up kings, to raise up leaders, attorneys, doctors, athletes that not only play their role in the kingdom in their profession, but they live it out. Some of you are going to be like Moses. You're not equipped, but God equips you. He gives you a physical staff that may be your pen. 
It may be your words. It may be your job. And you may doubt and question. But God says, I can still use you because the great I am is with you. And all you have to do is go with the great I am. Because he's going to go before you, go beside you, and come in behind you. But then there's going to be David's. And I believe there's David's in this room, male and female. And they're going to be the ones that go out and slay giants. And people are going to say, yeah, you are weak. But you're not weak because the God that is in you is way stronger than any giant that you can face. That might be the sense that as you go to your school, you may be the only believer. But God can use one just like he used Jesus to transform a nation as well as a world. Because you're young, you're vibrant, you're creative. He can use you. And what David did, he raised up a nation to overcome the Philistines. As a young person or as an old person, you can raise up a nation, a team of people that will follow Jesus unwaveringly. That's the God that we serve. Because in this place, God, in this nation, God, in this world, God will use, is using what the world, these unlikely people, because people are going to think you're unlikely. At unlikely moments, to accomplish unlikely things. But with God in it, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite our next gen staff to come to the platform and thank you, Pastor Joe. Before we close today, uh, we're gonna end in a time of prayer, but just wanna share a couple things with you before we leave. If you remember, we went through Judges earlier this year and you would remember that Joshua was the one that led the Israelites to possess the land. How many remember that? It was Joshua's generation. Okay, four of you. We're gonna preach that series next, anyway. If you don't know, trust me, it was Joshua and his generation that led the people of Israel to possess the land. And I want to read you this verse. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, speaking of Joshua's generation, the Bible says this, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Think about that for a moment. God used Joshua and an entire generation to fulfill the promises of God. Promises that he had made years ago. And the very next generation forgot it all. Why do we do a next gen weekend? Why do we have a team of talented young people? And why do we pour resources into our next generation? Because Lord help us if we ever possess a land and the next generation of kids forget it all. 
So to our veterans, as Joe says, to our older saints and generation, I need you to extend grace. I need you to know this is why it's so important that we reach the next generation. We are gonna lean younger. Grandma and grandpa, I want your grandkids to fall in love with Jesus. I want your great grandkids to fall in love with Jesus. But I'm asking you as your pastor to extend us grace as a church to do the things we need to do that is going to reach them. And it's gonna look different than what reached your generation. Can I get an amen? And to the younger, to the next generation, to the ones that Joe was talking about up there and even the littlest ones, you are a part of the body of Christ now. <laughs> We're not waiting until you get 18. You are a part of this family now. It's why I love that even when we did votes last weekend, our, some of our elders are young and in their 20s. They speak into the life of this church, and it's intentional because we need their voice if we're going to reach that next generation. So be a part of that body. Here's what I want us to do as we close. Moms, dad, if your kids are there, would you just lay hands on your kids? If you don't have kids here today, I want you to find someone young near you. It doesn't have to be a little one. It could be a young adult. It could be someone young in college age. Just extend. Don't freak them out, and you don't have to touch them. Just reach your hand towards them. I want us to pray for our next generation. God in heaven. Lord, this is the future of your church. There are lead pastors in this room right now. There are missionaries in this room right now. There are future worship leaders in this room right now. There are future business owners and mechanics, people who will share your goodness in the marketplace. There are future moms and dads right now. Lord, our prayer in this moment is that we would not have a generation like the one that followed Joshua and Israel that forgot the things that you did. So, Lord, I pray that you would instill it in their hearts right now and in their minds. That, Lord, as they learn about your word, as they hear about um, the amazing things that you have done and are doing, that it would just be cemented in their spirit. I pray for the moms and dads in this room that you would help them, that you would guide them. I pray peace and joy and comfort over their homes. Lead them and guide them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we close, I'm going to invite you to stand. I want us to pray for the best next generation staff that any church could have in the world. And that's this group. I want you all to know, I love you. I'm so grateful for your investment in our kids and our young adults. We believe in you and we want to empower you and equip you because what you do is so important. I pray for you and they're praying for you. And if they haven't, they're going to start today. Would you extend your hand towards them? Heavenly Father, we lift up Amani, Tracy, Anna, Krista. Pray for Joe and Joel, Ashley and Sam. Lord, as you have called them in this season right now to lead the next generation of kids and students and young adults at ACAC. Father, we pray that you would anoint them 
that you would increase the gifting, the anointing that is on their life. I pray that the, any attacks of the enemy, any fiery darts he would throw their way, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, whether it be relationally, would be defeated in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help them as they relate to the young ones in the middle school and the high school and the young adults. God, I ask that you would bless those relationships. I pray that, um, God, that your word would become so clear and so real in their life that it would be an outpouring of what you're doing in them. Help us as a church to walk with them, Lord. Let us be an encouragement and not a discouragement in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thanks for being patient with us today. Kids, you did an awesome job. You did. Hey, these guys, you get a chance to uh, rub shoulders with them because they're here for all of our services. Uh, if you have questions about our kids' ministry, student ministry, young adult, now's the chance to connect with them. Really encourage you to do that. As you leave today, let me also remind you that our annual report that Pastor Blaine mentioned last weekend is available. Um, they did a lot of work on this, and it's filled with some great information. So um, pick that up on you as you leave on your way out. God bless you. Have a great weekend.